Welcome to the Matea Murdo podcast, where we're delving into all things United Nations, the family, and politics. Let's go. Today we're going to talk about the connection between German daycare centers promoting sexual exploration rooms as well as encouraging children to engage in sexual games and the connection to the United Nations. For a lot of people that may seem like a stretch but I'm going to tie up some loose ends for you and connect the dots. There were several articles written about this subject of the German daycare facilities but I'm going to read the one from Fox News just to give us some context. It reads, Several daycare centers in Germany are reportedly considering or have already implemented sexual exploration rooms where children can engage in sexual games and discover what they find as pleasurable. According to several reports, two nurseries in the German state of North Rhine-Westphalia have discussed plans to promote safe spaces where young children can explore masturbation. When asked for comment by the German newspaper De Welt, the NRW Children's Ministry, headed by Green Josephine Paul, said the sexual behavior by children could not be prevented and said they had no intention of contacting the daycare centers. DeWelt reported that one day Karen Kirpen offers children the, quote, freedom to try out childish sexuality. The daycare also said that sexual self-pleasure on its property is of great importance, insisting that, quote, masturbation is normal. The website Remix noted that another daycare in Germany, found in the town of Rheinberg, facilitates doctor games, where children are urged to pursue other students' bodies. The nursery allegedly encouraged kids to choose a specific student whose body they wish to explore, quote, carefully, but warned them no objects are to be introduced into body orifices because safety first, everybody. (laughs) This is insane. Here's where things get really interesting, however. Pro Familia, Germany's leading professional association on sexuality and partnership, initially issued recommendations that daycare set up body exploration rooms and sexual games for kids back in July. Now we're going to pause on the article there because I want us to understand who Pro Familia is and how they have a connection into the sexualization agenda, specifically in Germany. When I read this article initially, I recognized that name, Pro Familia, and it doesn't take much to just do a little bit of a dive into who they are and who they're associated with. They are a member association of International Planned Parenthood Federation or IPPF, as I'll refer to them from here on out. And IPPF collaborated with the United Nations, UNESCO, UNICEF, UNFPA, you name it, they're involved in all of it. They collaborated with the UN to create what is called the International Technical Guidance on Comprehensive Sexuality Education. It is such a mouthful, but we'll just shrink it to CSE. Comprehensive Sexuality Education. Profamilia is a huge contributor in Germany to promoting CSE. And CSE is a tool of governments. It's not even just tools of academia, but it's a tool of governments to desensitize children, to strip away innocence, and to promote promiscuity. It also props up the abortion industry, the porn industry, contraceptive industry, but really at the youngest of ages, it strips away children's innocence. So when I read that Profamilia is not only a member association of IPPF, but they are the ones who initially issued the recommendations for daycares to set up these body exploration rooms, how is it that these people are not flagged? How, why is that that people who are quote unquote conservative, why are they the ones who are being deemed 
as anti-child or as the ones who whose viewpoints on human sexuality or the innocence of the child why are they the ones who are demonized not people like pro familia who literally want children playing sexual games and masturbating in daycare facilities the ones who should be demonized here are the ones seeking to harm children if we continue on with the article it says and then a positive point that parents voiced concerns about these so-called exploration rooms back in June when the news outlet Build published an email from an AWO daycare center in the Hanover region of Germany. The email sent to parents showed 10 rules detailing how children in the rooms would be encouraged to quote, pet and examine themselves and other young students. All children, especially preschoolers, are aware of the places in the facility where nudity and body exploration can take place. Each child decides for themselves whether and with whom they want to play physical and sexual games. Girls and boys pet and examine each other only as much as is comfortable with themselves and other children, the guidance read in part. My daughter is five years old. I don't want boys groping her. I have another child in another daycare center where there is no such thing as a sexual exploration room, one father told Bill. Following intense public backlash, a spokesperson for the Ministry of Education in the Lower Saxony State Capital said, the educational concept in this form endangers the well-being of a child. Well, no, duh. It doesn't take an intellectual, an academic, it doesn't take any person other than one born human to understand that this endangers children. The head of the nursery group's management company later said that their head office had not approved the letter. The kindergarten then canceled the project, thank God. But the question here for me is, there should be a level of accountability for anybody even considering the implementation of such a program or a concept as they put it into a kindergarten. For those who are entertaining such an idea, there should be a degree of accountability. As I was reading this article and contemplating, okay, what am I, what am I gonna be talking about in totality? Well, I remember reading a UN document, a program that they wanted initiated and they pushed out there and several countries took a hold of it. And it is a call to action for the utilization of pre and post school care programs. And it's not to further help children or to help those in lower middle income classes. That's just that's just the talking points about these programs. Indeed, the main agenda pushing this UN program was to indoctrinate children outside of the classroom just as much as they're being indoctrinated inside of it. This is why they need the pre and post school care programs. And also when I start to see, and this blends to this concern that I have about countries like Canada, who is now pushing for $10 a day childcare. It's very disturbing because once you see the government get invested in not just education and United States is a phenomenal case study in that where John D. Rockefeller invested more than a billion of dollars solely in education so that he had a bunch of workers and no longer had any thinkers in America. The same thing applies here to these daycare facilities. When Canada announced in the last couple of years that there was going to be $10 a day childcare and, and provinces started jumping on board with it, it disturbed me to a degree in which, you know, when I first found out about the abortion industry and all that it did, it disturbed me to that point. 
as I was reading article after article about people praising Canada and, and indeed other countries where childcare was going to be provided by the government, I just asked myself, how do people not see it? That government schools or what people call public education are indeed tools of the government, but now daycare facilities are becoming tools of the government in order to, air quote, assist families. But in the long run, does childcare actually assist families? Many families, in order to maintain a lifestyle, if we're honest with ourselves, have two parents working outside of the home. And that's what even gave rise and birth to the term of a turnkey kid, where kids were picked up by the bus for school every day, dropped off at, after school at home, parents were still at work, and so they would have to literally turn the key to get inside their house, take care of themselves, parents would arrive home, dinner, a little bit of conversation, and then off to bed everybody went. That is a turnkey kid. And that is because both parents are working outside of the house, and that has become almost normal in Western societies, which is very sad. It's actually very sad. I remember growing up and my parents had a company of their own. My mom worked from home. My mom worked on the company from home, but she was a homemaker. And the amount of peace that that brought to our home and even brought to me as a child, I remember being dropped off at my private Christian school and knowing that I called my mom if I needed something. It brought this level of peace to my heart and comfort as even as a child. And I recognized that in my friends' families where both parents were working. And I just remember hearing the lingo and the language that they would use and how that actually affected them, even as kids. And I picked up on that very young, very, very young. But if we're really honest with ourselves, both parents working outside of the home in order to maintain a lifestyle, a lifestyle full of conveniences. And if you can do that, kudos to you. But at what cost? Whatever decision we make, there's always a corresponding reaction to those decisions. How is that affecting your children? How is that affecting their futures? How is that affecting your future? Studies have been done time and time again about the value of a wife or a mother being in the home. And it's really sad because a lot of women no longer place value in being a stay-at-home wife and mom, in being a homemaker. It's no longer praised in society. And so most, most women now have this desire to one day have children, possibly, but they also aren't seeing it before their eyes. The normalization campaign is over in societies where you see a husband and wife and children in movies and in academia and stories, novels. All of it now is gender theory crap because that's truly what it is. It is crap. But family is the pillar of every society. So if we take a broad scope of what's really happening, then there's an intentional campaign to destroy the family, especially in Western societies. But we won't get into that too much today. But if we look at the promotion of women working outside of the home, and what good is that doing for our marriages and our children and our societies? What good is it doing? When parents are too busy, stressed out over finances, they tend to miss things. And that's just human nature. When there's multiple things running through your head, you're bound to miss one or two things. But the one thing that they wouldn't question is the convenience in which the government has set up for them, and that is daycare. The majority of women now working with who have children are indeed only working to pay for someone else to clean their home and for someone else to raise their own children. I read this great tweet by at budget dog underscore over on Twitter. He says stay at home moms matter. And then he did a, a rough bit of a breakdown as to how much in savings mothers contribute to the household. He says cooking is roughly $30,000, cleaning 40,000, nanny 50,000, housekeeping 20,000. And then he goes on to say, please weigh the cost of both partners working. It's not just a fiscal issue. And we all should understand that. You know, there's this talking point around the abortion issue of whatever is right for you. You do you. I absolutely I hate even saying you do you. It's terrible. But around the daycare issue as well, many people say whatever is right for you and your family, you do it. 
just do it. And, and I believe that to a certain extent around various issues, but when there's this normalization of daycare in society, we have to look a little bit deeper because the statement reveals that society has accepted daycare as a norm and that daycare is merely just another choice people have to make. But it's a choice that is focused on the parents with no discussion about the needs of the children. And I can tell you based upon data that daycare does not meet the needs of the child. Because this uh, another talking point that anyone can take care of your child's needs. No, that's such a lie that, that especially women are being sold. And you know, in a society where women are constantly being degraded already you know there's this incredible film what is a woman when it came out it revealed the beating down of femininity and of womanhood that is taking place and essentially erasing women from the equation of society and the necessary need that every society has for women secure in who they are in their womanhood in their femininity how necessary that is needed but going back to the needs of a child, needs that can, there's so much more than just the physical needs, but physical needs are just the bare minimum of what a child needs. Because the first three years of a child's life are absolutely critical to their development. Absolutely critical. And what I'm referring to here is something that psychologists term as attachment theory. And it's very interesting to see how psychologists have been trying to push out attachment theory for decades trying to have discussions on it, but constantly they're shut down time and time again. And it's because of the political implications. Because politicians want more women in the workforce, working outside their homes, so that families can be taxed based upon the women's income, not just the man's, that their children can then be in daycare centers, receiving instruction from those who are not in the family. And then the children are then rolled right into government school system. Further indoctrination. This is, this is a huge cycle that we have to break in societies but it starts with the daycares but it even goes farther than that it has to start with conversations in the home because there's a culture out there who's saying if you don't have your child in daycare you don't have your child in a government school then there's something wrong with you that is false in my generation i'm at the tail end of being a millennial there has been this huge push that government schools have always existed and now there's this normalization of daycare and we're not even being taught history let alone familial history we're seeing that all these things are just normal and taking part of them is just normal not even understanding that we can actually reject the system and create our own culture in our own homes and that comes by a husband and a wife coming together and raising their children based upon the same shared value system. And this goes to this idea of me thinking, is daycare actually harmless or is it harmful? And I do believe that daycare is harmful and that's gonna trigger a lot of people, whether you're, whether you're religious or not, whether you have children currently in daycare or not. Because there's been this normalization campaign, people will freak out at that statement. Because for so long we've been sold this, this other pill that your child will also have a leg up if they're put into early child learning because they're gonna have socialization. But socialization is not necessary. It's not even necessary until a child is around five or six years old. Because up until that time, children merely have parallel play. That's all they need. And what is parallel play? In the most simplistic way of explaining it, it's playing with one individual for a very short period of time throughout the day side by side. You don't even, they don't even need interaction. And as I beg to differ with many of the individuals out there who say that children need to have peer-to-peer -peer play. I don't agree with that. It's not necessary. You know, in a society where science is now God, which is insane, 
but everybody looks to the data, or at least they say they do. But I've looked at the data. I've, lo- I've done the research and parallel plays all a child needs up until the ages of around five. And that can be a mother, a father, a grandmother, someone trusted in the family unit, sitting beside a child and playing alongside them. There doesn't even have to be interaction. So it is a lie that your child needs socialization. It's a lie. And again, it's it goes back to the other lie of anyone can take care of your child's needs. But your child is more than just a physical being. They are emotional, spiritual beings. Will be so immense. I can't thank God enough that my mom was a stay at home for the comfort that that brought me even as a child. I observed the other kids' families in my, my school. I observed from a very young age and had a very good understanding of what it did to their own psyche as their parents were both working outside of the home. I know what that did to them. And I know what it did for me to have my mom working inside the home. I knew that she was always available. And it goes back to even the basic biology of a child. From the time we are born, we are drawn towards our parents, specifically our mothers. And so it just makes sense that as time goes on, that there is this constant, is she there? Okay, she's here. That's comforting. Is she gonna come? Yeah, she came. That's comforting. Okay, just knowing that she's around psychologically totally makes sense. But I also knew after school I'd be picked up from my mom, she would take us home, and she would start making dinner for us. You know, there's so many things I appreciate about my mom because she really did set a standard in her home for what a wife and a mother is, how good a mother could be. But also, she set standards for us as a family, such as having every single night of the week, maybe one with one day of an exception, We always had family suppers together. It was always what we did. Even if we had friends over, they were there at the dinner table with us. We never forsake the family dinner table. And I'm so, so grateful for that because it helped me as an adult, not only to converse with other people, but to really have an appreciation for the day. We would go through what we did through the day, the conversations we had with our friends, the things that we were struggling with. we, We really had family time. And that would lead into maybe a board game. That would lead into us having to go and run other chores. But, but at the end of the day, we always had a very open family. And a lot of that was because of my mom not being highly stressed with an ext- external job. She got to be in the home. And I know there's a lot of women out there, even on my Instagram or on Twitter, who will reach out to me and they'll say, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. But I can tell you this, many women have come before you. And there's always things that we can sacrifice in our own lives to achieve the ideal. And the ideal is a woman in the home. The ideal is a mother in the home. And that's not often talked about in society today. And I even know conservative women, women who I call friends, and some I've called colleagues in the past, who will despise me for saying that. Does it mean that a woman is bound to solely cooking and cleaning? No. A woman can be very productive in the home. She can have her own business. She can be successful to whatever degree of success that you determine success to be. But being outside of the home working for an external employer, I do not believe is the healthiest for a family. And I will wrap it up with this one story to draw everything together. I was at the United Nations, oh gosh, about two or three weeks ago now. And as I was there, I was talking to a woman who's very, very successful. She comes from a background in big pharma. Her husband is in big pharma. She took a step away from her career in order to raise her two daughters. Her daughters are now college age. And this woman and I could not be more politically opposite. She's far left. I am very conservative. But this woman and I connected on the issue of the family. She does have somewhat traditional values, leastwise. 
She believes that a marriage is made up of a wife and a husband and together they procreate and have children. And this highly intellectual woman even knew the value of being in the home for her kids. And as I was talking with her, she brought up the story of her one college age daughter and how she was frustrated. The one frustration her daughter voiced to her was about the lack of information being told to her and her classmates about marriage and how to run a home, how to have a good atmosphere in the home, how to raise children, how to take care of your husband. And she was frustrated because even in all of the electives in university, there was not one course about marriage, home and family. And this mother, she's telling me the story, started explaining how proud and excited she was that her daughter had been given such a good childhood and examples of a wife being in the home that her daughter would even question and even to the point of frustration that there was no such discussions happening on the college campuses. But it also encouraged me because it reminded me of the significance of this podcast and all that we are and are going to discuss because marriage is valuable. Motherhood is valuable. Fatherhood is valuable. These are significant roles that we as human beings get to take on. It's a degree of responsibility. Forsaking it only harms the self. But we get these opportunities in life to grow, to be stretched, to learn, and to develop. And oftentimes when I look at married couples, there's this degree of maturity. Regardless of how young a couple is, they just start to mature in a way that single people, even the most intellectual among us, do not do not achieve. And I encourage you, look if you're single, look at married couples around you. They have a degree of maturity that we as single people, because yes, I am not yet married, I'm just highly invested in the subject. Look at them. Look at the maturity levels. Look at how they move throughout the world. Look at how they converse with other people. Look at what their priorities are. It's very significant. So where did we all start from this? <laughs> we started at the German daycares, didn't we? And we landed at encouraging parents not to be so busy for family. Because if you're too busy for family, you are too busy. Pay attention to your children's lives. There is always a sacrifice to be made for the ideal, as I said. And you can make a sacrifice for your children. They're worth it. Because they carry on a legacy far beyond ourselves. They will impact generations to come. But it all starts with what we set as a standard in the home. Will it be a hustle lifestyle where we neglect them? Or... Will it be quality that we prioritize? Quality time with our kids. Quality all throughout our lives and in our homes. And we get to make the choices. With that, thanks for joining the podcast. Talk to you next time.